there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. Hi, Tamara. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing? Good, good. Welcome to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> You're Thank probably not you. in Abu Dhabi right now. <laughs> It's good to be when I say home because I was born and raised here. So um, after leaving um, in 2002 um, and, of course, wanting to explore the world and see what's out there, um, I feel really, really happy to be back. Um, I feel like it's the right time for us also. I think the market is also growing and changing. There's a lot of great providers here. But after being in Dubai for eight years and Kuwait for the last four years and kind of perfecting our model, I think we came at the right time. So thank you. So just talk a little bit about how desk is different, maybe, than what people are used to when it comes to physiotherapy. Um, So the biggest thing with what we do is integrated care. Um, I'm a chiropractor myself, um, but I have a team of chiros, kinesios, osteos, um, physiotherapists, sports therapists, sports medicine. So everything related to musculoskeletal health. So we, we like to call ourselves body specialists and not that we're very different there's so many great clinics out there that do very similar things to what we do but i think having and hospitals also but having a boutique feeling and a smaller vibe just to allow us to kind of work together i always tell my patients like whether you see me or one of my my specialists sometimes it's good to get a different approach because we're very energy sensitive so sometimes you know pain is also very emotional and if i do not connect with you on a on an emotional level then we're not gonna we're not gonna get anywhere so we're really very much about getting the emotional component of pain, uh, really connecting to our patients, um, having time to spend with people, to hear, to listen, to understand where this is coming from. Because at the end of the day, it's the journey. And I don't know what's wrong with my patient unless my patient trusts me and can talk to me and tell me their history and how they live their life. And there's so many different components to pain. So I think that's really what makes us stand out um, is that we're very patient focused and, and we really like to work on that emotional component. Um, and at the end of the day, we're very biomechanical. So we're about movement. And movement is the core and the essence of everything. So if we understand you and how you move and how to improve your movement patterns and inspire you to live a better life, then I think we can work on that pain much easier. So something in my lifetime uh, that's just been revelatory is how much pain is tied to your emotional state and your, and your you know, past experiences. And you guys must see this all the time. And can you sort yeah. of frame that for me? You know, it's funny because when we're in school, we're never taught that. Like you learn so much about biomechanical, you know, like disc, uh, you know, ACL rupture, shoulder this, you know, it's all biomechanical. But I think all of us practitioners get to learn this over time. I mean, every person comes in with their own trauma, their own life, their own their own journey, their own story. Um, and pain is actually an emotion. It's basically your body and your and your mind talking to each other. And we're not taught to recognize this emotion. We're taught happiness. We're taught sadness. We're taught to recognize and understand what they feel. And sometimes even nobody tells you, oh, sadness is a good feeling. Like feel it, understand it, you know, sit with it. Uh, but nobody tells you sit with your pain, understand you like, you know, they're just like, oh, pain is bad. Pain is bad. But I don't think pain is bad for us. Pain is actually great. Pain is your body and your mind talking to you, telling you there's something that you need to work on. There's something that you need to change. Uh, it doesn't need to mean that you're dysfunctional and you're broken down at the end of your life. No, pain is a great thing for us because it's telling your body is telling you, I need something to change. It's a signal. Um, and so the emotional component comes in where 
especially when we come to like chronic and fascial pain, where our body actually changes biomechanically when we're under certain emotional responses like stress. For example, stress changes your breath patterns. You, instead of using your diaphragm, you use your accessory muscles a lot more. So most people manifest stress, neck pain, upper back pain, jaw pain, TMJ pain. Stress changes your posture. Sitting for long periods of time, maybe at work, which causes stress, also creates these biomechanical changes, which cause pain. So you're, it's about we're kind of like the detectives and figuring out where that pain comes from and with the patient and trying to understand their life, trying to put together the story so we know where this is coming from. And yeah, I mean, we see it in fibromyalgia. I mean, fibromyalgia is a diagnosis doctors give when they don't know what's wrong with the patient. The patient's called complaining of pain, but they don't know where it's coming from. But fibromyalgia has a very strong emotional component, stress, depression, um, you know, hormonal changes. So they're all manifesting in the body. And it's not only, I mean, biomechanical issues are there. Yeah, you fall, you hurt your knee, you twist your knee. Yes, they're there. But I'll tell you that I'd say 70% of the clients that are walking into our clinics are, are manifesting some kind of emotional related tension in their body. And so it's, how do you it's Sorry. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to see. It's crazy to see because we don't learn it in school. So so how do you talk to someone when they come in and they're like, physio person, fix me. I've got this because a lot of people don't think this way. This is woo woo to a lot of people. Time with people like it's a journey. And, you know, I, we all all my therapists here, like it's not like a silent treatment. We talk to our client. We understand like the patient, you've touched someone that's already energy transference, right? Like energy is not created or destroyed. It's transferred. So I touch you. I'm transferring my energy to you. You're transferring your energy to me. And you, you feel, you know, and this is why more than anything, I tell my team and me, myself, all the continuing education we do are all on psychology and, and wellness and coaching. And because that's what we do most of the time. And when we sit with a patient, we really try to understand like where they're coming from. And, and the patient, I'm working on someone's back. They're going to tell me, oh, yeah, you know, like I've done this before. I've done, I, I also want to know what works, what doesn't work. I want to know where they are in their life. You know, I had a patient come to me yesterday and he's like, I want to see you. I have a really complicated rare case and I said are you complicated and rare like if your case if you're identifying as complicated and rare are you complicated and rare and he was just so taken aback you know like when when you when it's already a belief if you set a belief in your head that I'm not going to get better no matter what I do you're not going to get better because your mind controls everything right this organ that's so strong you need to control your mind you should not let your mind control you and if you could, like, I have a lot of patients who come in with a disc issue, like, will I ever be the same again? Will I ever walk? I've seen people who like, God forbid, have strokes and they're in a wheelchair and they're walking again because they strongly believe that they can do it. Like the power of faith, the power that, and of belief that your body is an amazing regenerative system. Okay. Oh, yes. We're not always going to be hundred percent of regeneration. We age our, body, our cellular changes. We, we have this, but your body is incredible. And we've seen people at any age, so many different conditions go back to not only the way they were, but even stronger than how they were because they've become more aware and understand that oh, I never exercised before. Now I started weight training and strength training and I connect to my body more. And I know that I can be better than I actually was. So for me, pain is a beautiful thing because it teaches you so much about your body and your mind and tells you where you need to work and what you need. And for us, it's we never fix a patient. We assist them. We show them that there are so many different ways and it's up to them to choose the path that they want to take. Because I'm, I spend, what, 45 minutes with my patient in here and then they go out to the world and they, they live their life and they continue their habits. So unless I can educate them about how to live the best life possible, at the end of the day, 
it's the choices they make. If they choose to sit on the couch all the time, if they choose not to go to therapy uh, because of stress, because of you know loss or whatever they're they're going through in their life, then there's no way that they're going to get better. So it's it's a really it's a really really interconnected journey, and this is what we call holistic healing. Is that I'm not a psychologist. I work with some amazing people in our community, coaches, psychologists, therapists, whatever you know. Maybe for you a life coach works. Maybe for you a psychologist works. Maybe for you you need psychiatry. Each person is different. There's no, it's a journey and it's a journey of exploration. And I think it's a really exciting journey. Unfortunately, a lot of people are, they don't have the patience for it. Um, and, you know, also we have this, this now insurance obsession, which I was just talking to a colleague of mine about, like, oh, if my insurance doesn't cover it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go through the therapy. I understand like the system is so broken with healthcare, but we try to tell people value your body. If you're going to go out and spend 700 dirhams on dinner, uh, why wouldn't you spend 700 dirhams or two or three? It's much more, it's much cheaper to go to a physio session than it is to go out for dinner nowadays. So value your health. It's the only thing. This is the only thing you have. The only permanent thing in life is your body. Nothing else is permanent, right? Yeah. And it's interesting with the insurance question, because I'm a freelancer. So I haven't had that insurance for five years now. And when yeah. you pay that money, I, I I say this to my friends, like you would drop that money in two seconds because they'll say, oh, no, I don't, you know, it won't be covered. When you pay for that treatment, like you spend a lot more, it's a lot more serious to you than when you're billing yeah. it to your insurance, uh-huh. right? Like it's, it's becomes a, a relationship. Yeah. Really value my that the fact that my patients got in the car, and this is something we we talk among our team. Like sometimes get people coming late. I have some team members like, oh, I don't have the time. I'm like, no, this person sat in their car and made the effort to drive to see you, even if you spend ten minutes with them. Like I value you and your time, and and you know the the work that you spend to make this money to come here. I'm gonna value your time, and I'm gonna give you hundred and ten percent because you know, it, it's just a, it, healthcare, unfortunately, is such a broken system, but I don't want to do sick care anymore. I want to do healthcare. I want to take people from great to better. I don't want you to get sick. I don't want you to get to a position where you're having this issues or this issue. I want, I want you to be so empowered. And it's something I wish we learned that in school when we were growing up, love your body, understand your body. What is it saying to you when you're getting sick? You know, like, you know, when, when you feel that little tickle in your throat, you know, that you're going to you're going to have the flu. Why don't you know when other things happen? Why don't you know when, you know, you're not sleeping well or you have visual, why don't you know what's happening to you? We're not taught to learn these things. So um, I'm really, really, really pushed for this. And I really like to educate the, the, you know, we have the internet, we have so much resources and information out there. We are now no longer patients. We are educated consumers. So I love when people come to me with knowledge and they say, okay, this is what I want. How can we work on this? And we can, we also learn and we also grow and we try to find the right avenue because every person is different, right? So it has to be tailored healthcare. It has to be something that fits what you like and what works for you. Because what works for you is not going to work for me. You talked a little bit about the power of the mind, but one thing I find is that people will get like, oh, I have bad knees. Oh, I have, I have a disc rupture. Like, it's like, I can sense there's a, I have a thing that I can sort of hang my, it's not like, I don't want to say excuse, but you know what I'm talking about where they get the diagnosis. They they are the diagnosis. They become the diagnosis. And I, this is one of the reasons I hate diagnoses because patients come up to me with the MRI. They're like, look, there's a disc bulge. Doctor showed me a disc bulge. And if I were to put it again, I'd say, okay, show it to me again. Because of course, most of us don't even know how to read an MRI. I'm a spinal specialist. I can read a spine MRI like, 
like my, you know, two seconds, but it's so hard for me sometimes to see the knee or to see, it's just not my specialty. So it's no way a patient's going to come and say, I see it there, you know, and, and it becomes their identity. And I tell them like, this is a disc bulge can maybe not become a hundred percent where it used to be, but it can regenerate. It can, it can heal and you can be pain free. It's painful in the moment because the disc is inflamed and that puts pressure on the nerve root, the inflammation does, and that creates pain in the area but we can remove the inflammation and then you're no longer going to be in pain and you need to stabilize. So you are not your diagnosis, right? And that's the number one thing we tell people. I hate affiliating with diagnosis because just because you see an, something on an MRI, I've seen people with crazy disc herniation at MRI and they're completely pain-free. And I've seen someone with a two millimeter disc bulge and they can't move, right? That tells you about their structure. So we need to work much more than that. So as I always tell people, you are not your diagnosis and there's so much more to you than a diagnosis. Why do people, different people react differently to the same diagnosis? So exactly. So that's where the power of the mind comes in and, and it's belief system and belief pattern. And we can go down that another rabbit hole, but it takes so much about working on what are your beliefs? You know, why are you identifying with this diagnosis? What does it mean? You want pity? Do you want, you know, and I always tell my patients, I'm not going to pity you. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to make you stronger. And you're here to make me stronger by teaching me about you. But there's no pity. There's no empowering. There's, oh, I'm suffering. I'm in pain. Yes, pain sucks. The feeling of, it's not always pleasant. But uh, how come when I needle you and I grasp in you, that's a form of pain, but it's enjoyment. You enjoy that kind of pain, right? People enjoy that kind of, it feels good to feel that kind of pain. Because you know that that kind of pain is associated with making you feel better. Okay. So we can train our mind to know that, oh, I have this. This is telling me that I need to change X, Y, and Z in my life to help me alleviate this, this bad feeling or however I'm feeling that I don't want to feel, then I'm going to get over how I feel. But I will never associate it with a diagnosis because whether it's a low back pain or I've, more, more pain comes from fascia, my chronic myofascial issues that I've seen with a lot of people who have a, a low back, disc, unless it's an acute low back disc herniation, and yeah, that's also horrible. But I've seen a lot of people suffer with chronic myofascial pain from being in one position for too long, like chronic sitting and not moving and all of that, which is so much worse than what a, like a like a chronic disc bulge or, or you know, nerve root compression can feel like. Um, okay, and, let's and the, talk about fascia. Sorry, like I'm just so... I 20 yeah, years I like I 20, 20 years ago, I became obsessed with fascia in Canada and yeah. I was talking about it. I did this story and no one, all my friends were so bored. And I, it was the first international fascia Congress. And I interviewed all the relevant people and they said, we know like 2% of what there is to know about it. And so, you know, all along foam rollers, yin yoga, like all this stuff has to do with fascia. Can you talk to people about, like, people don't even know what it is. So can you describe what it is? And the role 100%. We still don't know a lot about fascia. And and the reason for that is because it's very hard to dissect. Um, fascia is connective tissue. I mean, we see our skin and people don't even realize your skin is alive and your skin is actually your biggest organs or you have your skin. And then underneath your skin, you have connective tissue. Well, you have subcutaneous fat, but then you have connective tissue that that basically connects every structure in your body. It wraps around the muscle. It's a very thin sheath. And it's hard to know a lot about fascia because it's very hard to dissect it. So when we come to see muscle, we rip the skin off when we're dissecting and, and you see this connective layer, but you can't really cut it out and you can't create a sheath of fascia. It's very, very hard to dissect. Um, but it's connective tissue and it's, it's basically really, really tough fat. It's tissue that you can't really easily tear apart. 
Uh, but when you have trauma to an area, uh, you get almost like kinks in the fascia. I like to think of it in, in easy in easy words. And think of it like if you have a kink in this part of your shirt, it's going to affect everywhere else in the body. So fascia stores trauma, it stores pain, it stores emotion. And, and because of any issue in the fascia, it will affect all the structures around it. You cannot ever... Like the body is a system, you know, when somebody tells me, where is the pain? Is it in my bicep or my, I'm like, you can't really isolate. You can, you can isolate sometimes based on movement, but we are a system. And a lot of times pain in your mid back actually comes from your shoulder being like this and your neck being like that. So I'm not going to fix your mid back if I don't fix the system. It's the same thing with the fascia. It's part of the system. So when we always say you have myofascial pain. You know, it's muscle and fascia. It's not just your fascia and it's not just your muscle. It's the whole system together. And things like yin yoga, where you're deep stretch of the fascia, because you're not only stretching the muscle, you're stretching the system. The posture of yoga will put you in a position where you're not just stretching the glute. It's your glute and your back and your neck. And so it's the entire system, which is connected through the fascia. Same thing with foam rollers. We don't break up the fascia. We're just increasing blood flow to the area which helps release and relax the muscle uh, a lot of the tools i use you know we have dry needling we have cupping we have so many different tools in our in our toolbox you know We've, this has become big fashion in the last few years and we put it onto the onto the muscle and we we actually move it around and you see little blood like little blood dots in the area which we call particular hemorrhaging and these are these are basically little circulation, uh, sorry, little blood vessels to areas where you have adhesions and so what we call scar tissue. And even scar tissue, you don't really break it up. Muscle has a break, build up and breakdown process naturally. So when we work out, we build up our muscle by new fibers are developed, they break down, the new fibers are developed, they break down. So that's how we gain muscle, by, by training an area, creating microtrauma, and then you you reheal and you you rebuild basically. Um, so it, it is a it's actually a very simple but complicated process. The body is actually very very simple in how it works. Um, but yeah, we saw a lot of a lot of pain, a lot of past trauma in our fascia. Women with C-section scars, um, surgery scars. That's why I always recommend it to a patient. You have a scar, work on the area. You can do it at home with the you know. Now we have all these uh, gua sha tools. You can put some oil, you can work on the area and what you're doing is increasing circulation so that scar is no longer basically pulling up and down the chain. So we work a lot on, on myofascia in our practice, both, both in movement. So when you're moving, if you look, if you've seen anatomy trains, which is pretty amazing, it's an amazing app. It'll show you as you move and your hand goes forward and your opposite side of your body, how the muscle moves connectedly through the fascia. So the arm and the leg will connect through the fascia. And that's why it's really important to have healthy tissue, healthy. And the way to do that is through movement, is through exercising, walking, whatever, whatever works for you. But movement is what promotes healthy myofascial system. Okay. That's fascinating. And everyone's talking about weight training yeah. and I feel like it's getting so much attention, but from a physio perspective, what, how does that play out? The, the most important thing. Think yeah, think of your body as, and I mean, it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have, I mean, you have, yeah, the power lifters and they, they, they're taking their own extreme of what they do. And it's amazing. You know, it's a sport in its own, but weight training is resistance training. As a human, you need resistance to constantly change. If you do the same thing every day for the rest of your life, your body will acclimatize. It basically gets used to it. So you're, you need 
a shock to the system. And I find that with everything, whether it's your food or this is my belief in life. I'm about balance. You know, there's some people that eat the same thing every day and that works for you. That's great. Your body, your, your gut needs balance, definitely needs that. But I believe in a shock to the system. You know, unless you're really gluten intolerant, do we all need to eliminate gluten from our diet? No, you're going to become intolerant if you eliminate it from your diet. I really believe in whether it's a good balanced diet and you have a shock to the system, you want to have your your 20 percent uh you know have fun food and the 80 percent you're strict with what you are it's the same when it comes to movement if you do the same thing every day your body will start to get used to it so with weight training you're basically putting in different forces and different loads to the body and that allows the body to structurally change because as we get older we're fighting the strongest force in the world which is gravity Gravity ends up pulling us down. Why? If you don't have a strong core and a strong back, that's why you see some elderly people that are super hunched over, yet other elderly people are quite upright and they're strong. So resistance training, even in the form of Pilates, that's a form of resistance, even if it's band work. But for us, we see weight training as the most efficient form of rehabilitation for the spine because it's the best way to build structure. It's the best way for the muscles to train and accommodate. So everyone should be doing it at any age, any form. You know, a lot of people, I don't want to start weight training in my 50s because I've never done it in my life. Well, we're not going to ask you to lift 100 kilos. You're going to start with two kilos or three kilos, but that's still resistance on the body. And nothing feels as good as feeling strong in your body. Nothing feels as good. It's super Sorry, yeah. I think when you're raised like me, I was like a cardio 90s. Like it's taken me so long to change my mind. And, yeah. and realize that if I just do a weight session, I do feel really, really good. Like I, like it's yes. not, I, I would always view it as like, oh, I won't get that high from the cardio, uh, but you do. Well, you get that high. And I, I love cardio too. I'm a long distance runner and I, I'm obsessed with, you know, running marathons and I love that I get a different kind of high, but that's more, it's a, it's a, it's a great feeling and there's nothing wrong with doing cardio, but you have to balance it out. Um, you know, you have to balance out your resist and resistance training. Also cardio, it's the same movement again and again and again. You're not really changing your body in that. It's just impact, 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 whether you're cycling or you're running or you're doing, I mean, hit is even a great form of cardio resistance training because you're using bands and, but slow controlled resistance training, especially when we're in a high stress state, I love high intensity training, but if you're stressed out and you're going to add more stress to your body, your system is going to collapse. And that's why we see hypothyroidism. We see so many other conditions that come with that. So we, you know, if you're going through a super high stress state, uh, slow controlled weight training where you can even rest between sets and just enjoy your time, right? You can still elevate your heart rate. Your body feels great. You sleep better. You function better. Just affects the whole system overall. Uh, moves your fascia better, you know, for me, the general rule is find a way to sweat every single day. That's it. You know, this is it's easy. Even a days that you're super stressed that you don't have time to go. I don't have time to go to the gym. We have 20 minutes to go for a walk, power walk, put your phone away and power, find a way to sweat. Just at least, even if it's tiny, tiny bit of sweat, but increase your heart rate. And that helps you with lymphatic flow. It helps you with blood flow and you feel better overall. And it's like the egg. It's a whole system that work together. And let's talk about overtraining because a lot of people will say this is a, gym owners have told me it's a problem. Uh, gynecologists tell me women are coming to get pregnant. They can't get pregnant. Like you mentioned hypothyroidism. How big of a problem is this overtraining? It, it's a huge problem. I mean, I, especially in my social circle and community, um, I think, uh, well, I'm in Abu Dhabi now. It's a much more chill environment, but in Dubai, I've been addicted to training for many, many years. And, uh, 
it's hard when you're addicted because it's like a drug, you know, it's, it's a drug and you need to, you need to get that high and it feels good. But um, overtraining is horrible for you because you're not giving your muscles enough time to recover. Um, and then there is a condition called rhabdo, rhabdomyolysis where your muscles are actually super inflamed and they're basically breaking down and it changes your urine and, um, you know, it elevates um, all your inflammatory markers and affects your kidneys. So it's, it's a very dangerous condition that's happened to some people who either overtrained or pushed too much. Um, it's few in between, but it, it happens quite commonly. And, it, you know, it's all about knowing your body. If you were tomorrow going to go and run a marathon when you've had zero training, you will also suffer aches and breaks. It's about slowly building up. And at the end of the day, we want longevity. And research has shown, like the most, the people that are, that live their healthiest lives are in the blue zone areas. And those people are farming and they're gardening and they're doing things with their hands. And it's really like low intensity exercise, but it's moving every day to feel good. Um, it's not about, you know, crazy heart rate spikes. It's not about super in intense training. It's about balance, going out for a walk, getting sunshine, you know, they're gardening, they're moving, they're doing little things. Um, and I mean, I'm a big fan of running, but it, it, uh, you've also been shown that what just hot, long distance walking is just as good for you in terms of cardiovascular exercise as running. Um, so it's fantastic for you. You don't have to go extreme all the time. You do it because we love it. And it brings you joy. That's great. And I support all the athletes I work with. But even with athletes, you have to go through down periods. You have to go, you have on season, you have off season where your body really needs to recover. And you work on different things. You work on your mobility, you work on your strength. So no athlete is constantly pushing through 24-7. Otherwise, that's when all the injuries started coming in. So all athletes, all professional sports you see have on seasons and they have off seasons that allow the athlete to recover take a breath of fresh air, have some fun, you know? So it's really, really important that, and that's the problem with a lot of people, you know, we have high stress jobs. You still want to train like an athlete. You're not eating and recovering like an athlete. You're obviously going to get injured. So it's really, really important that, and I think people learn from experience, you know, as much as you tell them, until you go through that system where you crash, you're like, oh my God, I'm injured because I, I did too much. Um, all of us will go through that. We'll all learn from experience. So balance, balance is everything. It's moderation. And then for those of us who just our work is just sedentary, like it yeah. just, it's, and it's just, to me, it's just getting more and more like everything comes back to the computer or the phone. What is your prescription for someone like me, like standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting breaks? Can you just tell us how to do this? great chairs right now that like I love there's a kneeling chair which I absolutely love where you don't have to be sitting in this position sitting they say sitting kills it's the pressure that it puts on your low back and your spine you don't but if you get up like time it on your phone every half an hour get up to I don't know grab a coffee get some water go to the bathroom like just get up and you need nothing stretch your arms bring your arms around circulate you can even my favorite thing to do sit stand you know a little bit of this just to get your pelvis, you can do it at work. You don't need anything, you know, you don't need weights. You don't need anything, but get your body moving, allow the blood to flow, um, get a different chair, maybe like halfway through the day, you can switch out to either a medicine ball, or I love the kneeling chairs because they allow your back to stay more upright. Um, if you can just switch it out and be more mindful of how you're sitting, that's all that matters. You know, even we, a lot of doctors sit for a long period of time to consultations, but we get up, we sit down. So as long as you're, constantly switching your position, you will feel a lot better. Okay. Are you seeing tech changing bodies? Like, is this actually real when they say the hump and the neck and all that stuff? 
hundred percent. I mean, if you're sitting and you're not ergonomically set up, every person is different. I'm short, you're tall, everybody's different, let's say. So I set up my station for me if I'm sitting for long periods of time. And you can get all of this information online, how to sit, how to put your hands, how your eyes should be at the top quarter of the screen. Um, you know, I see a lot of people on their laptops where they should be working on a desktop if they're, if they're working from home because a laptop is much smaller. So you're looking down. That's going to put a lot of pressure on your neck because gravity is pulling you forward. Same thing. Yeah, upper traps, upper cross syndrome, we call it. So pec gets very tight, back is overstretched. It's so common. But that doesn't mean that tech should, is, is the cause of ruining your life. No, it's because we're not aware so if you're sitting behind the computer, you know, I, I suggest feet on the floor, feet flat on the floor. Or if you have low back pain, you can even elevate your feet on a little, little stool. Eyes at the top quarter of the screen. Arms should be 90 degrees. Um, you know, your mouse should be close to you. You're not comfortable. There's hundreds of different ergonomic mouse and keyboards. And there's so much out there. Um, there's so many different kinds of chairs out there. I mean, we use these great IKEA ones, but there's so many different kinds of things that you can use that would fit your body and your body type. The most important thing, there's no right and wrong. It's like posture. There's no right. As long as you're constantly moving and you're constantly getting up and you're aware that you've been sitting for two hours. Okay, I need to get up and get some water. That's what we need. The onus is on us. We're the yeah. ones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. 100%. And that's what everyone, we blame the system, but it's us. Like if we do little changes in our life, you know, like I'm trying out to not scroll before I sleep because I do that all the time. And then I say, I don't sleep well. I'm like, yeah, but it's not my problem. Like, why do I scroll? Just put your alarm on, go to bed. You want to scroll? So it's just habit, you know? And killer. It's, it's a killer for sleep. And so many of my friends are like, oh no, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, well, then don't do it for a night and see how you sleep compared to how you, because I yeah. think if it's normal, if 100%. it's your normal that you scroll, you don't understand that you're only sleeping. Like I, I did it last night and my sleep was like 60% yeah. what it could be. Yeah. I, I have a whoop. I love measuring my sleep. I'm obsessed with measuring recovery. Like I'm not about movement. I'm about recovery. I'm so into recovery. And I realize that most of the time it's either if you work out late, eat late, uh, scrolling a lot before sleep or even TV before bed, all of a sudden your, your REM sleep goes down. You wake up a lot more. It's, it's crazy. And it affects you more over the long run. You get tired and it's the whole system. You drink more coffee and then you don't see, you know, so it is up to us. It's little changes that we can do to, to understand our bodies better. Nobody knows you better than yourself. Nobody, you know, you know, your habits, you know, your system. So for me, it's like writing down the things that I feel like, okay, these things don't work for me. They don't serve me. How can I change them little by little, you know? Um, so that's really, really important. Amazing. Well, welcome home to Abu Dhabi and thanks so much for Thank talking. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And we look forward to seeing you at the clinic soon. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.